Welcome to Shadow Life. In this episode of The Roman Files, Roman rides the rails. He's right in the thick of it with his dyslexia. He can't read. He's struggling to uh, get by. As the summer ended and the wind turned slightly cooler, Florida's version of fall crept in so quietly, hardly anyone noticed. The one-story red brick building comes into view. It could have been mistaken for any municipality building or a police station or maybe a jail. For that's how young Roman Bailey felt like he was in jail. Class, children, can I have everybody's attention, please? Mrs. Brown's voice crackled through the air like static electricity to her third graders. Roman, would you please stand up and show everyone your picture that you turned in yesterday? Referring to the project she had signed the class, by using the projector, the third graders had all made silhouette images. Ms. Brown told the class to use that image to make a portrait of themselves. Roman, would you please hold your work up and show everyone? Her tone had changed and taken on that icy inflection that Roman knew meant warning, warning, but he shrugged it off. Enjoying the sudden limelight from having his work showcased in front of the entire class, well, this was a first. Come on, Roman. Please, stand up. Hold your work over your head. Hold it high so everybody can see. Roman held his work up so everyone got a good view. A smile sped across his sun-kissed, freckled face from ear to ear and his two front teeth missing with the tip of his tongue pressed into the empty gap. Wonderful. Can everyone see Roman's picture? Good. Because this is exactly what I don't want to see. Please do not draw on your silhouette. As I said earlier, any artwork that you feel you need to add, please keep to the outside. Does everyone understand now? Don't do as Roman Carol Bailey has done. Thank you. You can sit down now, Roman. He was devastated. Ms. Brown bent down ever so slightly towards Roman. What a shame you didn't inherit any of your sister's brains. Your apple fell from the proverbial tree and rolled down the hill. And then even more softly, right next to the nut house. She laughed then. It sounded more like tires squealing to a stop. And smiled that little crooked smile as she patted Roman on his head. As if to show the rest of the class that she was just trying to encourage their little village idiot. He had never felt this way before, this upwelling of emotion rose so quickly it scared him. Hatred. He hated her. He knew what that word meant now. It was a white, hot, acidic 
vile hatred, he suddenly felt unlike anything he had ever before experienced. It was unfortunate that Roman hadn't yet been diagnosed with dyslexia, from which he suffered severely. Maybe that little wrinkle might have altered his teacher's approach to Roman's shortcomings with his schoolwork, his lessons. Roman was quickly learning to despise school. He didn't know how to react. He had never before been so humiliated in front of the entire class, his peers, his friends, even his enemies. But what was he supposed to do now? He just shrunk down into his desk, lowered his head, his face red from the embarrassment. Roman could hear some of the other kids snickering, laughing. He crumbled his portrait and stuffed it inside of his desk. The air had become thick, suddenly stifling. The sound of his own heart beating was deafening. His stomach had dropped like a runaway elevator. He sat there paralyzed by what his teacher had said to him. He didn't dare make eye contact with anyone around him, fearing that he was going to burst out in tears and start crying. When the bell rang, signaling recess, Roman calmly got up and walked out the door. He was headed for the bathroom, where he went into a stall, closed the door, put his head in the toilet, and threw up. After he washed his face, he went back into the classroom. And he looked around, surveying the empty desk. He quickly made his way over to Miss Brown's desk and leaned over her cup of tea. He coughed up a big loogie, spit it in her teacup. That served her right. Roman walked out the door and headed down the breezeway towards the playground. But he didn't turn to go out to the playground where all the other kids were playing. No, Roman turned the other way. He walked off school property. He was done. He was done with school, and he was certainly done with Miss Brown. He was never going back. In that very instance, Roman had decided to run away. That's it. That's all it took. One split-second decision and he was in action. He was overdue for an adventure, he thought. As he headed out the gate from the other side of the playground, another boy, also in the third grade, was squatted down examining an ant mound with a stick all by himself. Roman didn't know his name or couldn't remember it. Hey, where do you think you're going, he said. You're not allowed to go out that gate without a grown-up with you. Roman turned and looked at him. Mind your own business, Ant-Man. If you say anything to anybody, I swear to God, I'll... Ant-Man stood up, put his hands out like, Hey, man, I didn't mean no harm. I mean, kind of way. Well, I mean, like, whoa. Ant-Man stood up, put his hands out like surrendering. Whoa, Kimasabi. I come in peace, he said with a slight grin. I was just saying, that's all. I mean, if you're headed over to Tanner Drugs, it was a nearby drugstore where all the kids went after school for their sugar fix. I'll tag along, get some pixie sticks. You know how the ants love pixie sticks. No, 
I'm going way past that, Roman said, though now not sure exactly where he was headed, come to think of it. Oh, okay. Well, then, if you don't mind, I'll just follow you to Tanner's. You can go wherever you want. I'll get some candy, soda, come on back to school. Ant-Man dropped the stick that he'd been using to antagonize the poor creatures and started walking out the gate behind Roman. I'm Walter, by the way. He stuck his hand out and shook Roman's hand. Yeah, well, I'm Roman. As the two boys slipped off the school grounds and made their way to Tanner Drugs, they had to cross a set of railroad tracks that intersected a vacant lot next to the school and a commercial area. As fate would have it, a train had just begun to pull out in front of them. Roman and Walter stood there watching the railway boxcars slowly pass in front of them. One boy was thinking of how much fun he'd have with the ants and the pixie sticks. And the other boy was thinking how badly he wanted to get as far away from there as possible. If the universe didn't want a couple of stupid kids jumping a train, then it wouldn't have put one right in front of them. When that idea popped into his little pea brain, he started running after the train. Call it what you will, fate, whatever. But Roman felt deep down in his gut that this train wanted him to ride it. What the hell? Walter yelled as Roman began running after the open box car, now slowly picking up speed. Come on, Roman yelled over his shoulder. Let's jump on. Walter laughed. Man, you're crazy. But took off and ran after the train as well. He was grinning from ear to ear, the ants completely erased from his mind. The The locomotive was puffing and straining to pick up some momentum. Slowly, the wheels began to turn faster and faster. The boys never broke a sweat hopping it. That was crazy, man, Walter said to Roman as he sat down next to him inside the empty boxcar. I know, but something told me it's what I needed to do, Roman replied. As the train began to go faster, rocking along the rails headed out of town. The buildings, the trees, utility poles, houses, and backyards clicked by just like in a movie. They were silent for a while, just taking in the sights. Neither boy had ever been on a train, much less ever hopped on one like a hobo. Where are we going? asked Walter. On an adventure, Roman replied. Yeah, uh, I've sort of put that part together. I mean, where is this train going? Walter said. No idea. I mean, does it really matter? Roman said. No, I guess not. I mean, as long as I'm home by dinner, Walter stared off down the tracks. Have you hopped trains before? He asked Roman. Nope. This is my first. Why this one? Walter wanted to know. I guess because it was there. It seemed like the thing to do, Roman answered. Out of sheer luck, as it were, the next stop was only a few miles down the line. At another small town stockyard, 
Roman and Walter hopped off, found a general store, and with what little change they had between them, bought two sodas, a couple of sandwiches, and some pixie sticks for Walter. The boys sat under the shade of an old oak tree, ate their lunch, and talked about a plan. Well, there were some pretty big gaps in it. They both agreed on that. Well, first thing we're going to need is more money, Walter said. Their lunch pretty much wiped out their finances. We're going to be needing a sleeping bag, a blanket, an old coffee cup. Roman was trying to recall what gear hobos generally carried around when they hopped trains and camped out under bridges and stuff like that. That was about all Roman could remember. Maybe a tent? Where was he going to sleep tonight? Are you dead set on getting back home for supper tonight? Roman asked Walter. Well, yeah. I mean, it's pork chop night. Mom makes it the best. She probably won't mind if I'm a little late. But definitely by dark, though. Otherwise, she'll whip me, Walter replied. Hmm, okay. Well, then it's settled. Roman figured he could go back with Walter and regroup work on his plan to run away after a few more of the details had been ironed out. I'll go back with you, and then I can catch another train later in the week. As if this was an everyday occurrence. Are we going to hop another train back? Walter inquired. I don't see any other trains going in that direction, do you? Roman said. They both looked at each other and shrugged. Guess we better start walking then, Roman offered. They started walking down the tracks in the direction they had just come from, and they walked, and they walked. They passed Kudzo-covered forests by the tracks, old warehouses, dead-end country roads where people had dumped old refrigerators, ovens, tires by the dozens. After a couple of hours, they came to a dead dog laying on the tracks. It wasn't bloated yet, but there were plenty of flies around it. They sat there for quite some time, staring at it. It was the first time either of them had seen something so familiar, dead. I used to have a black lab, but it got run over by a pulpwood truck. I didn't see it, though. My mom told me about it. I wonder if it looked like this, Roman said. I don't know, maybe. I've never had a dog. My parents are allergic or something. Maybe I should drag this one home and see if they're allergic to dead dogs, too. Walter looked at Roman, who was staring wide-eyed back. It's a joke. I'm just kidding. Walter smiled. No way I can drag that thing on by myself. They both burst out laughing. By the time they made it back to school, it was dark. Way past supper time. And they were way past excuses. The school janitor spotted them and called the police to call off the search. As it turned out, the two boys hadn't been abducted after all. But by the time they ended up home, they both wished they had been. Roman got one hell of a whipping when the door closed behind him back at their house. Reverend Rob said, Son, normally these things hurt me a lot more than they do you. But not in this case. This time, this is going to hurt you more. And commenced to giving Roman a belt whipping he'd soon not forget. <laughs> 